privilege to be coming your way with another episode to continue in our series manna god's recipe for nourishing body soul and spirit in the previous talk we discussed the effect of not collecting the manna at the right time that is when the sun arose the manna melted and i did mention in that episode that the manna had to be collected in that morning and the sun represents all the challenges the adversities that hit us that prevents us from being able to collect the blessings and the favor and the fellowship that we need to continue in our day and it's so important we saw how jesus did it by trying to create carve out a special time where he could have special fellowship with the father so in today's episode i'll just share a few thoughts again along those lines the the issue is that it's not that the manna is not there but it is us who are unable to pick it up that is the manna has melted it's just this gooey mess on the ground and you just can't do anything you know with it so in the same way how do we make sure as believers that our fellowshipping with god our time with god and all of that is such that it benefits us it's rewarding for us and we don't allow the events and circumstances that we live through as human beings like i did mention we can't take the sun from the skies but we can step ahead of those challenges and make sure that we still have fellowship and the word of God and everything that we need to nourish our spirit and our souls. Along those same lines, I want to share a few thoughts with you before we move on to some other aspects of God's dinner table rules that he gave to the people of Israel with regards to this manner. That is, making time to step ahead of those challenges is critical god was teaching them to be proactive that is you don't procrastinate and wait and wait and wait before you go out there to pick that manna because by the time you go it is decomposed it's practically you know melted and you can't do anything with it the lesson that that comes to me is about being proactive and one of the things that i want to draw your attention to has to do with a very naughty judge that is something now that gives us a very good example about being proactive why we need to make sure we step ahead you know not have to wait to go and collect it when everything is against us there's a very beautiful illustration of that in the book of judges and i want to draw attention to it before we go to some other things now in Judges chapter 16, the verse 1, this is what the Bible says. Now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there. 
and went into her. And when the Gazites were told Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night, saying, In the morning when it is daylight, we will kill him. And Samson lay low till midnight. Then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two gate posts, pulled them up bar and all, put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. So this is the proactive thing that I'm talking about. Not waiting until the sun rises before we go out to collect manna. Not waiting until life's challenges and adversities are over us before we try to find out what God has said, what his word is, what his will is, and all of those things. So this is a beautiful illustration. Something, yeah, he was in the wrong place, you know, at the wrong time. But whatever it was, here he was trapped in the city of Hebron. And his enemies had planned that, hey, we will wait at the gate quietly. Lay an ambush for him. And in the morning, when he comes, we are going to kill him. Whether they will be able to kill him or not, I don't know. But that was their plan. But the beauty of this story was that somehow... Whether it was by the Holy Spirit or whatever, Samson decided to get up at midnight. Okay, so he lay down and then at midnight, he got up, went to the place, took out the city gates, carried everything on his shoulders and off he went, lay it at, you know, on top of a hill. His enemies were waiting for him in the morning. He got up at midnight and took those gates out. So, being proactive or being not waiting until life's adversities come. Because if something had waited until the morning, he would have had a bigger fight on his hand than being proactive. Like somebody said, know God before you need him. That makes you know a lot of sense. If you are staring down a very life-changing diagnosis or you are staring down a very bad situation and that is when you want to find out about God's will, God's purposes. Yes, you may find them, but it's much more difficult. You have a much bigger fight on your hands under those circumstances. That doesn't mean God is not there. It is how you are able to position yourself to deal with that adversity. It's like dealing with a melted manner. You see, so the point I'm trying to illustrate here is that, yes, there's grace for us. There's everything. But God was teaching them to be proactive. Don't wait until the afternoon when the sun is up and it's as melted before you go collect it. If God had left the manna there all day, they would have had all sort of attitudes towards it. But God made sure it melted when the sun came up to teach them that you have to step ahead. You, you have to be proactive. You have to seek him. You have to know him before you even need him. That is a kind of relationship he is pushing them to and also encouraging else, you know, to the Bible says, seek him wise he may be found. You know, that is the challenge for us. This is the lesson we learn from how God was teaching Israel about how to nourish themselves. So don't wait until the company is laying people off. Let's not wait until we are hit with a bad diagnosis before we begin to know how to fast or know how to make the right confession or know how to do those things. 
let us collect the manna when it's available. Let's not wait until the sun has risen before we begin to go out and collect it. The other thing that I want to bring to your attention in this episode is what the people also did with the manna. If you go with me to Numbers chapter 11, Numbers chapter 11 verse 8, the Bible says the people went about and gathered it, ground it in millstones or beat it into the mortar and cooked it in pans and made cakes of it. And its taste was like the taste of pastry prepared with oil. And when the dew fell on the camp in the night, the manna fell on it. Okay, so they collected this manna. It was more like a stock solution or whatever it, you know, it was. So they made so many things out of it. And it strikes me like how the word of God aligns with us. You know, you may make time to have fellowship with God. Maybe you read your Bible, you pray, you have fellowship with God. That is just one act. But whatever you pick out from God, begin to translate into so many other things in your life. So they will collect the, the, the manna, they bake cakes with it, they fried it, they baked it, they did all sorts of things with it. That is the beauty of God's words. The words that we take today, they are life and health to all our flesh. This same fellowship, this same word of God, this same interaction you have with God can become financial breakthrough for you. This same word and fellowship that you have with God can become healing for you. You convert it into healing. You convert it into financial breakthrough. You convert it into deliverance. You can convert it into anything that you can imagine. That is the flexibility of whatever we pick out of fellowship with the Father. So, they did so many things out of this manner. But the beauty of it is that God was generous to them. He was right there on time. Every day, he gave it to them. But let us look at something very fascinating. God was going to teach them another concept. Another concept about how to deal with the manner and which is relevant to us as believers. If you go with me to Exodus chapter 16, looks like today all my references are from the Old Testament. So it's pretty much understandable. But before we, we do that, I just want to give you another scriptural reference to how Jesus did with that proactive thing. You know, before I forget, how Jesus dealt with that proactive behavior towards his fellowship and interaction with the father and then we shall come back to what i'm going to talk about with regards to the other lesson that god gave israel so to see that just one verse in mark chapter 1 verse 35 if you read mark chapter 1 it is a continuous outreach healing ministration a never-ending you know catalog of things that jesus was doing with people now, what about himself? What about his fellowship? And how about he himself ministering to people? In verse 35, this is what the Bible says. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Rising up a great while before day. You see, 
he didn't wait until maybe in the midst of all those ministrations, then he leaves the people to say, oh, I want to go and have some fellowship, you know, with my father. A great while before they, before he gets into another day of non-stop ministrations, a great while before they, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Verse 36, and Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said to him, all men seek for thee. Gosh, all men seek for thee. So he had to practically make time go off a great while before day to deal with this. Because as soon as it was daytime, all men were seeking for him. They were all looking for a piece of him, for healing, for deliverance, for cast out demons, just anything. But a great while before day, the master went to a solitary place. And there he prayed. He was proactive. He was stepping ahead, trying to collect his manner in the morning, trying to make sure that he's ahead of the schedule, not waiting until in the afternoon when he has all these stresses around him before he dealt with that. So that is just rewind the tape and then patch up to that. So what exactly am I talking about here? God taught Israel another crucial lesson which i believe is very important to us even as we bring this whole series to a close in exodus chapter 16 the verse 23 to to very to 30 this is what the bible says from verse 23 okay reading from the new king james version of the bible says and he said to them this is what this is that which the Lord has said today, has said. This is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is the rest of the Holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which you will bake today. Seethe that which you will seethe. And that which remaineth over, lay up for you to be kept unto the morning. And they laid it up unto the morning as Moses bade, and it did not stink. Neither was there any worm therein. And Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a day of Sabbath unto the Lord. Today ye shall not find it in the field. Six days ye shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath in it, there shall be none. So, God, this is the first time that the concept of Sabbath was being introduced to humanity. And God chose this moment to do it. He told them, go out every day. Six days, go out, collect the manna. But on the sixth day, collect twice as much. And then process it any way you want. On the seventh day, don't go out. Eat what you collected on the sixth. That is enough to suffice for the sixth and the seventh day. And look at the miracle. Previously, when they kept this manna overnight, it bred worms and it stank. And God had told them expressly, don't keep it overnight. But he made grace available for them on the sixth day so that whatever they collected didn't decompose, didn't rot and breed worms. Rather, it was wholesome to eat on the seventh day. You see, the concept of Sabbath, primarily, it's because God wanted them to rest. He wanted them to rest. Because 
He got rested on the sixth day after he created, he rested, sorry, on the seventh day when he had created everything. God didn't rest because he was tired. He rested because he had finished everything that needed to be done. And there was nothing more he could add to what he had made. Bible says when he looked at it, behold, it was good. So he resting on the seventh day was because he's finished. It's like a master painter who has painted a masterpiece. He looks at it and he doesn't find any stroke that he needs to add anymore. He rested because it was complete work, finished. There was nothing more he could do. So he rested from his labors. So this concept of the Sabbath, not just the sixth day, there are Sabbaths for the third day, 50th day, 70th day, and all of that, 70th year, and a whole range of observations. God was teaching them. Remember what he has said in Numbers chapter 8, verse, sorry, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. That man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That dependency, letting them know that with, with him, by his provision, they can enter into a state of rest. Because when you are in a state of rest, you have ceased from your labors, have ceased from your own works, you have ceased from your own effort. You are totally dependent on a promise, the promise that God will cater for you. You are leaning on that promise. You are depending on that promise. You are completely dependent on the provisions of God. This is an important concept for them to grasp because later on, Moses will incorporate it or God will incorporate it in the law and several ceremonial things that they do factor in the Sabbath. But most importantly, for us, it is a concept of resting, coming to that place in our relationship with God, where we cease from our own efforts, we cease from our own works. Bible says there remains for us a rest for the people of God to enter into his rest. The first people who he tried to teach them how to enter into his rest, they couldn't because of disobedience, because they hardened their hearts, because of unbelief. They just wouldn't believe. Because the whole concept of entering into a place of rest where you cease from your own efforts and abilities is based on we trusting God. Remember what he did for them. He gave them grace to cover the periods where they had not going to collect anything by themselves. They didn't have to go out there and labor on the seventh day. He made sure that what they collected on the sixth was enough to cover the seventh day. I don't know what life has dealt you, but there is a place of rest for us in God. A place where you believe, where you just float on grace. You cease from your own strives and your own efforts and your own planning and scheming and say, Lord, I'll take your promise. Remember when Jesus needed the boat of Simon and his brother. The Bible says that they told Jesus, we have toiled all night and taken nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, we shall cast our nets into the water. They did cast and they collected more than they could have done by their own efforts. Nevertheless, at your word, that is a key word. 
being able to trust yourself into the promises of God and elevate yourself above what you can think or you can ask and your own limitations. God was teaching them this concept. And that is very, very crucial for us as well as believers to come to that place of rest. But let us look at how some of them reacted to this. Verse 27. And it came to pass that they went out some of the people on the seventh day for to gather and they found none. They went there with their own effort, with their own minds, with their own strength, and they found none. You see, God's grace always keep you where his will has placed you. Wherever God's will has placed you, when God says that lie down here, just lie down there, there will be grace to provide for you. When God says go, just go. His grace be there to take care of you. So that we have to strive to enter into that rest. And this is what he was teaching them. That look, on the sixth day, just gather twice. I'll make sure it doesn't rot and it doesn't decompose. You have it on the seventh day. But learn how to trust me, to lean on my word, to do exactly what I'm saying. Because further on down the road, he was going to teach them about the year of Jubilee. And these are all beasts. So if you can't observe just one day of rest, how can you observe a whole year of rest? But that is a concept that we need to know. David said, you make me to lie down in green pastures. You cause me to drink from still waters. That is what God is calling us to. But we will first need to know that, that fellowship, that relationship that we need. The Sabbath is more than just a day. It's about a time when man makes himself available to lay hold on God's grace and he seizes from himself. We shall pick it up from here, God willing, in the concluding episode. Don't miss that one. It is very, very exciting. And I believe that God will help us to grab some very wonderful concepts. It's been a very, very wonderful journey through Exodus chapter 16. And I believe that the podcast available share it with your friends and if you have any comments please feel free to share it leave us a comment fountain of life podcast at gmail.com one word we shall respond to it or if you're on facebook or youtube or whatever let us know what you think if these episodes have been a blessing to you please don't hesitate to let us know and once again thank you so much and may god richly bless you thank you your host of the Fountain of Life podcast. Thank you so much to all who have followed this podcast. You've been watching and then listening to our podcast over and over again. Thank you so much. I want to give you a sneak peek to an upcoming episode. In this series, which we captioned Memories, Ministers or Monsters, we want to ask that very quintessential question. Are our memories ministers or are they monsters? You see, memory plays a very crucial role in our lives. But sometimes our memories can be weaponized against us. So whilst there are memories that we cherish, there are also memories 
that frighten us, memories that torment us, memories that create problems for us. It reminds me of the words of the songwriter that says that sometimes it feels like we are a one-man army fighting with shadows in our heads. You know, not everybody wins that battle. And unfortunately, people have given up hope in life, they've resorted to self-harm, and every imaginable pain that comes when we lose that battle in the mind. But basically, God has a lot to say about memories, and I want us to explore that. So join me as we look at this very, very exciting topic. Memory, is it a monster or is it a minister? How do we strengthen ourselves to be able to win that battle? God richly bless you. The book of Matthew 11, 28 to 29. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest.